0: chapter 14 i just want to thank the lord for saving me i thank him for um what he's done i was studying this message um before our youth meeting and then my brother preached i didn't realize he was going to preach it but it's a it's a different message um but i'm just going to preach um out of matthew 14 i'll be in the um Twenty six verse, and it says, and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, be of good cheer, it is I. Be an, be not afraid. And Peter answered him, and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come to thee on the water. And he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him. And said to him, O thou of little faith, where didst thou doubt? And when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. So, <clears throat> for just a minute I want to talk about these disciples. And we see they had a storm that they couldn't handle. Um, if, if, if you live long enough, you'll have storms that you can't handle. And the Lord, the Lord can help you through those storms that you can't handle. We see these disciples, though, they had, they had the right response. Um. They, it says in verse 33, Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, and saying of a truth, out art the Son of God. They worshipped God whenever the storm was over. They, they, they gave God what he deserved. So I feel like so many times, though, when we go through storms, we'll, we're, we'll praise ourselves. We'll praise ourselves out of the storm, and we won't praise the God who put us in the storm, because we needed a storm. They, they needed to go through this storm. They, 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 in John chapter number 6, it says, you don't have to turn there. I'll just I'll read it for you. Um, it says, "When Jesus therefore perceived that they would take uh, would come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again to the mountain, uh, into a mountain to himself alone. He realized that these the, that these disciples needed a storm, and he knew that they were trying they were going to try to make him king. They were he they were, they were they were trying to do what wasn't God's will, and they were trying to go against God's will. And he knew it was time for a storm. But after the storm, these disciples." They, they praise the Lord. And and if you're wondering why you're still in this storm, you've, you say, you've, I've been in this storm for years, and why is it not over? Because you keep praising yourself, and you won't praise the God of the storm who put you in the storm. And the storm is there to strengthen you, but you keep praising yourself. And if you'll just praise the Lord, the storm will be over. Maybe your prayer won't be answered. These disciples' prayer was never answered. They never... Jesus, it will be answered one day, but it wasn't answered in their lifetime. Jesus wasn't wasn't their king that they that he, that he, that he wanted him to be. But... But their storm was over. Their storm was over. So we see they had a storm that they couldn't handle. And we see they had a safety that they couldn't have. And um, it, says, it says in verse um, 30, it says, But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. We see that Peter was sinking. I don't know how far deep he got, but we know he was he was heading to the same place everybody else was going. You were, at one point or another, you were sinking. You were, I, you might have been, your face might have been all the way down, and the only thing somebody could see was your hand. But you were sinking. Or maybe your maybe your ankles were all the way down, or just your ankles. But you were sinking, and you were heading to the same place everybody else was heading. But the, but he raised his hand, and the Lord caught him, and he brought him up. But he had a safety he couldn't have. I'm sure before he said, Lord, save me, I don't know, but I'm sure he turned around and he looked at that boat. And the... Boat might have been closer than Jesus, and he might have said, if I could just get back to that boat, if I can walk to that boat, if I can have that safety, if I can do it. But the Lord, he is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. No man coming to the Father but by him. You can't get in that boat. You have to go through the Lord first. You can't get in that boat by yourself. As you lift up your hand and say, Lord, save me, yeah. you and him will start walking back to the boat, and before and before long you'll get to heaven. You'll, you'll, if you say, Lord, save me, I'm, this is not my home. I'm heading back to the boat. I'm walking with the Lord, and He is holding my hand, and I'm walking, and these waves are boisterous, but I'm heading back to that boat. And I thank the Lord that, uh, that, there, that there is a boat, and, and, and there is a God, and He will take you to that boat. They had a storm that they couldn't handle. They had a safety they couldn't have, but there wasn't a Savior who couldn't help. They, 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 we see that the Lord calmed their storm. Immediately, He calmed their storm and, and immediately they were on the other side. In John 6, it says, in um, verse 21, it says, Then they willingly received him in the ship, and immediately the ship was at the land whither they went. Immediately they were on the other side. Immediately th- their storm was over, and, and there, was, there was a God who helped. There's never a time in your life when there's not a God who can't help. There's always a God who can help. He can always help you. And you just need to lift up your hand like Peter and say, Lord, help. Lord, Lord save me. I don't know how deep you are, but if you're not saved, you're sinking. And you're sinking fast. And it won't be long before you're completely down. But if you'll raise up your hand, the Lord will bring you up and you'll start walking back to that boat. You can walk to that boat with the Lord Jesus. God, Lord, I thank you, Lord, for what you've done. Lord, God, Lord, thank you, Lord, for this message. Lord, God, Lord, thank you, Lord, for giving it to me. Lord, God, Lord, just thank you, Lord, that you've been so good. Lord, God, Lord, thank you, Lord, that you helped me, Lord God. God, Lord, I just thank you, Lord, for everything that's done, Lord. God, Lord, I pray, Lord, you'd help these other preachers, Lord, as they preach, Lord, God. God, Lord, I pray, Lord, you'd use them, Lord, God, Lord, in a mighty way. Lord, God, Lord, I just thank you, Lord, God, Lord, for breathing through me, Lord. God, Lord, I just thank you, Lord. God, you've been so good. God, Lord, I just love you, Lord. And God, Lord, thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well,
1: if you have your Bibles, I'm going to be in 1 Samuel. I'm going to be reading from chapter number 30. And, um... Last night, I was reading, I've been reading in 1 Samuel for a little bit, and last night, I was reading in 1 Samuel, and this thought came to my mind. I don't know how it got there, I don't know where it came from, but this thought, the Lord put this thought in my heart, He put this thought in my mind, and I figured out this morning we're going to preach, and so it's what the Lord told me to preach. So I'm going to be in chapter number 30, and I'm going to be reading in verse 11. It's 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 11, and it says, And they found an Egyptian in the field, and brought him to David, and gave him bread. And he did eat, and they made him drink water, and they gave him a piece of a cake of figs and the two clusters of raisins. And when he had eaten, his spirit came again to him, for he had eaten no bread nor drunk any water three days and three nights. And David said unto him, To whom belongest thou, and whence art thou? And he said, I am a young man of Egypt, servant to Amalekite. And my master left me, because three days ago I fell sick. Um, we made an invasion upon the south of the Cherethites. And upon the coast which belongeth to Judah, and upon the south of Caleb, and we burnt Ziklag with fire. And David said to him, Canst thou bring me down to this company? And he said, Swear unto me by God, that thou wilt neither kill me, nor deliver me into the hands of my master, and I will bring thee down to this company. And when he had brought him down, behold, there they were spread upon all the earth, eating and drinking and dancing, because of all the great spool they had taken of the land of the Philistines and out of the land of Judah. So for just a few moments, I want to preach on a topic. I got from these verses in 1 Samuel chapter number 30. And um, I really want to preach on 11 through verse number 15. And um, for a little information on this chapter, David and his men have returned home from, I guess, battle. And um, when they come home, they're home in Ziklag, they find that their, their town, their land, their people, their wives, their children have been stolen, their cattle have been stolen, yeah. and um, their houses have been burned. The Bible says that nothing, nothing was killed, that nothing was taken away. And um, it says that in verse number... Um, let me see here. Um, it says in verse number 19 that there was nothing lacking to them, neither small nor great, neither sons nor daughters, neither spool nor anything that they had taken to them. David recovered all. So we see that everything that the Amalekites had taken, they'd killed nothing. Their cattle, their herds, they'd killed nothing. And so they'd all been stolen. And David, he inquired of the Lord what to do because his army, his men, his people were trying to decide if they wanted to stone David or not. They were blaming David for the struggle that was in their life. And um, so David, he went to Abathar, who was the only survivor of the priest, the family priest who had been killed in um, chapter number 22 of 1 Samuel. He asked him to bring the ephod. And um, so Baathar brought David the ephod, and David asked the Lord what he should do. He asked the Lord if he should stay home, see what God does, or he asked the Lord if he should go and um, fight the Malachites and bring back what was stolen. The Lord said, go fight the Malachites because you'll surely... You'll surely overtake them. And um, so David and his 600 men went to fight the Amalekites. And when they get to the book of Bezor, 200 of David's men fell faint. 200 of his men couldn't cross this river, so he stayed. So David was going to go fight the Amalekites with only 400 men. And um, so on their way, they find an Egyptian slave. And that's what it says in verse um, verse number 11. It says, and they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David. It gave him bread, and he did eat, and they made him drink water. So they found an Egyptian slave. So that's really what I want to preach on this, this tonight. I really want to preach on this for just a few minutes, the Egyptian slave and how he relates to our life, how this fallen slave relates to our life, how at one point in our lives we were all a fallen slave. And um, so the first point that I see was this slave, he was abandoned. Before we, got, before we got saved, before I got saved, sin had abandoned me. Sin had left me high and dry. It had taken more than, it, more than I wanted to give. It had taken me high and dry, and it abandoned me. I was a slave to sin, everything I did around the sin, everything I did around my sin nature. And maybe at one point, you may have seemed popular, you may have seemed cool, but at one point or another, before you came to Christ, or after you came to Christ, they abandoned you. Yeah. This master that you once served wasn't your master no more. He had abandoned you. He had left you because you were sick. He had left you for the next best thing. He had left you because yeah. you weren't what he needed anymore. And that's where we find this slave. He was abandoned. We find him almost dead and abandoned by his friends, family, and master, just how we have all found ourselves as this fallen slave. So the next point I see is he was alone. When we find him, his friends, his family, had left him. Not only was he abandoned, but he was alone. We find him with no friends. We find him with no company. We find him with no food. We find him with nothing around him. The only thing that was around him will seem like death. That was the only thing that was around him. So his friends, his family left him. He was abandoned. He was alone. And the next thing I see was he was almost gone. When sin sin left me, when sin abandoned me, when sin left me alone, I was almost dead. It says that he had gone three days and three nights without water. From what I've read, you can only go four days without water. So this, this servant, this fallen slave, was on his last day. He was on his last breath. One more day, two more days without water, he would have dropped dead. He would have never met David. He would have never met his new master. He would have never met Jesus. But he would have fallen dead right then and there. So some point in our lives, before we were saved, we were almost gone. And... um. When he met David, he met a new master. He met a new new person. He met a new savior. And we always, David has always been pictured as a type of Christ. David has always been pictured as Jesus. So when, let's say when this fallen slave met Jesus, when he met his new master, he wasn't afraid. He wasn't alone. He wasn't abandoned. He wasn't almost dead, but he was alive. And um, it says in verse number, verse number, um, it says in verse number 14, he says, And we made an invasion. He didn't say, My master made an invasion. He said, We made an invasion. That includes him. They made an invasion. He made an invasion on Ziklag. He burned the town of Ziklag. And David, that was a great excuse right then and there for David to say, All right, you're dead. You took my family. They left you for dead. I'm just going to finish you off. But David didn't leave him for dead. He said, and David said to him, Can thou bring me down to this company? And he said, Swear unto me by God that thou wilt neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master, and I will bring thee down to this company. He said, nor deliver me into the hand of my master. So clearly this master that he had served before was no good. Clearly he didn't want to go back to him. He didn't say... Um, Don't kill me and bring me back to my master. Bring me back to my sin. He didn't say that because his master, he just left him alone. His master, he just left him abandoned. His master just left him about dead. He said, don't deliver me to my master. Pretty much what he was saying there is I'll be yours. Just I'll tell you where the people are I'll tell you what they've done. Just let me be yours. Don't kill me. Let me be yours. And you never find find an account where David and his men try to kill this, this servant. You never find an account where David and his men, they gave him food. They gave him water. And, um. They, they strengthened him so he could speak, so he could tell him what happened. And um, so we relate David to Christ. And when God found us, we were almost dead in our sin. Sin had ruined our lives, sin had ruined our family, taking our family, taking our lives away. But then God came in. And if you're like this fallen slave, if you've fallen down, your old master has left you, then, then call unto David, call unto Jesus. Um, And He'll save you and He'll bring you back. He'll bring you to a place where you're not almost dead. You're not abandoned. He'll give you a new family. Right here, this is the family of Christ. This is where He'll put you in. And I thank the Lord for everything He's done. I thank the Lord that He saved me, a fallen slave to sin.
2: Amen. Amen. Good. Daniel chapter Um, 3. It's truly a privilege and an honor to be able to uh, stand behind a pulpit and preach. Uh, God could have used so many more people than me. I don't know why he'd use someone like me. Um He's just been real good to me. Amen. Um I won't be in any specific verses, but uh throughout uh Daniel chapter three. Uh the first verse I want to be reading is uh verse eighteen. And says, But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thee, or thy we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. And my first point is They wouldn't bend. Um, The reason I use these three points was I was listening to uh, I was listening. I think it was Daily and Vincent, and they have a song, and it's called "They Wouldn't." Or it's about the three of your children. It says they wouldn't bend, they wouldn't bow, and they wouldn't burn. Uh, And my first sub point there on uh, "They Wouldn't Bend" is we have flexible Christians. Um, And you know, as I was studying this, I I tried to combine so many sub points until I realized I needed to keep them separate because. I wanted to combine flexible Christians with no backbone, but then I realized there's something more to each of those. You know, flexible Christians, you know, they, they might be strong about one thing, but then not another. They have a backbone about this certain thing, but something else, I mean, there, there's, no, there's no back to them. They'll give in to anything about this subject, but won't about another. You've, you've preached on that here recently. But the second sub point there is they didn't have a backbone. You know we should be acting like a sheep, but instead we're acting like a snake. Uh, I mean, you mean you've heard the phrase uh, uh, a wolf in sheep's clothing? Sheep's clothing. Right. Um, as a preacher, I, I say this until my dying breath. I don't want to be a shepherd in a snake's clothing either. Right. Uh, you got you got so many shepherds or under shepherds nowadays that they'll lead they'll lead their flock astray. You look at all these churches out here; that have to have fog lights and they have to have smoke in the air just to go to church because they can't keep their attention span. But I know for a fact I've sat there and watched a four-hour football game multiple times. I've watched a full nine innings of a baseball game, but I can't give God an hour and a half of my time when the preacher's preaching. Uh, but, but the people that'll do that, those are those people that are wolves in, sh- in sheep's clothing. They're saying, Come on, preacher, you can't just preach ten minutes we'll be out of here. I thank God that I have a man of God that will stand behind the pulpit that God's done. He's not worried about what He wants to do. I'm sure there's times that He's wanted to stop preaching. But then the Lord says, No, no I, want you to, I want you to touch on this subject. I want, you to, I want you to hit on this. And a lot of the times, the ones of us that are sitting there saying, Why can't He just preach ten minutes? It's because when the Lord says that, He's talking to us. And we just can't cope with that. My second point is they wouldn't bow. Uh, it's in verse 12. Uh, there are certain Jews whom thou have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship thy golden image which thou have set up. And I want to ask you, what golden images are you setting up in your life? Um, I've heard it preached plenty of times. Um, but... I, I it wasn't till, it don't until recent I realized how many uh false gods I put in my life. you know I thought it had to be well no i I believe in god that's that's my God until I realized well when i'm I'm picking up my phone eight hours a day and I'm picking up my Bible ten minutes a day, there's something wrong there there there's something very messed up there if anything, it should be the opposite um and the, uh, the fourth, my fourth point is uh, our God is greater than theirs. Um, my, my, or I'm sorry, my third point is uh, they wouldn't burn. And I'll be in verse 25 and it says, He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Um. Why, why did he know what that looked why did he know what the Son of God looked like yet he was still serving his gods I mean there there might not be anything there but but I, I strongly believe that there's something there there's too many people that see God but want nothing to do with him I mean you're sitting here and you might be lost and right now hell's your home Hell, hell's where you'll where you'll find eternal life um, but the opposite's right here in front of you. Yeah. The opposite could be right there, or the opposite could be right there in the pew where you're sitting. Yeah. Yeah. It makes no difference. I, I believe once that sin that you're holding on to and you start to come down to get saved, that's when it happens. It doesn't matter what you say, it's what's in your heart. Right. The fourth point is our God is greater than theirs. And my illustration here um, is, so when I was younger... Um, you know, I'd, I'd think, you know, my dad's 10 foot tall and bulletproof. Um, and I'd, I'd try to copy and do anything that he would do. Um, and, you know, I'd go to school and I'd say, no, my daddy could beat your daddy in a fist fight. My, my daddy's way better than your dad. That's what these three Hebrew children were saying. Yeah, right. They said, your God's, your God's never delivered me from my sin. Right. I mean, you, I can't remember the, the idol's name that you were talking about. It's almost like, like God took his hand and he smacked him on the back of the head. I mean, you look at Goliath and, and his whole army worshipped him as some, as some false god. But then David came along with a little stone in his god. I mean, if I see, if I see the layout, I see the spread for the both of them. Without knowing what I know now, I'm, I'm probably taking Goliath in that fight. I mean, it'd be like if me and Brother Jeffrey got in a fight. I'm taking Brother Jeffrey a hundred times out of a hundred in that fight, unless, unless you have the touch of God on you, and, and then it's a whole it's a whole different it's, it's a whole different plan. It's a whole different scheme, and you got to look at it and you say, "Hmm, David don't look so small right now." That, that same that same boy that was sitting there in the in the in the field with the sheep and killed a, he, he killed the bear, he killed the lion. Uh, that's a, that's a bad joker right there. He's 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 pretty good at what he does, but it wasn't him. It was it was God. Right. Um, and, and my application here is: uh, has there ever been walking in the, some? Has there ever been someone that uh you could say uh, somebody's seen walking in the fire with you? You know, it seems like in my hardest times when I'm in the valleys, when I, in my highest times when I'm on top of the mountain, it it seems like every time I can at least say, or it doesn't seem like it is every time I can say. God was with me. In the hardest times of my life, God was there. And in the best times of my life, God was there. But, but you might be thinking, man, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like anybody's here with me right now. It doesn't really seem like anybody's ever really been with me in my heart. Uh, it might be because there hadn't ever been someone walking with you in the flame. It might be because you need to get saved. So you can spark an eternal flame into your life. Uh, And hell will no longer be your home. It will no longer be your resting place. It will be heaven. Turn your Bibles with me to Genesis 3.
3: Um, The Lord gave me a thought recently. Uh, Most of you all know I'm not the best driver. Um, I ended up in a car accident. Most of you know this. But the Lord gave me a thought after the accident. I'd sat, sat, I think it was the day after, and I said, it felt like I didn't really do anything to get in that messed up of a situation. It felt like it was one little thing that just turned into this whole dilemma, this whole accident. It shouldn't have been that way. I said, I thought back where it started. It was one mistake that multiplied. Don't let your mistakes multiply. Think about it this way. I'm going to explain to you the entire accident, and then I'm going to explain to you sin. Check this out. I was in my truck driving down the straight road. One tire hit the edge. I ended up upside down with my life turned around. I was was walking with God on a straight path. I dipped my foot in sin, and I ended up upside down with my life turned around. Don't let your mistakes multiply. You can make one mistake, but if you make ten, that might be too many. Who knows how many mistakes God's going to give you? I just want to look at three mistakes that Adam and Eve had made in the garden. I'm going to read verses 1 through 6 in chapter 3. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, have God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die." We wouldn't even have this Bible, actually, if he didn't let that mistake multiply. What if he would have got it right in the first mistake? The first mistake was they allowed their position to be challenged. Adam and Eve were in the best position they could be. God had just created everything, Adam had just been naming the animals. They had everything they wanted. They could go get any fruit they wanted, any vegetable they wanted, any tree they wanted, except one. They decided to go to the one tree. The sa- Satan came in and said, Why don't you try that tree? Boom, hit their position. It was challenged. But they weren't ready. They let their guard down. They were in such a good position, let your guard down. When you get in a good position, wouldn't you want to guard the good things you have? Wouldn't you want to protect the good things you have? If I had a million dollars, I wouldn't want to just leave it there. I think I'd put it in the bank and keep it safe. I wouldn't want to let that be out there for someone to challenge that. So they made one mistake, and it allowed them to get their position challenged, which now leaves them in a weaker state. They were in a good state before, but now that their position has been challenged, now, the perspective can be changed. Yeah. See, now that they're weak, that was like, hmm, that tree doesn't look so bad. Why don't you eat that one? That one, can, see, yeah. that one can help you a lot more than you think. Yeah, and he lied to them. Yeah. He said, uh, where was it? He said, um, and he said unto the woman, Yea, have God said ye shall not eat of every tree in the garden? Verse 4. And he said, And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. He lied to them. God said they would die if they ate the tree. Maybe not right then, but he said they would die. The Satan lied to them. So he attacked their position. He attacked their perspective. They consumed. There was a poison that was consumed. Maybe your mistakes did multiply. Maybe you weren't ready. You didn't prepare yourself. And you allowed your mistakes to get out of hand. See, because if you make one mistake on a test, let's say every answer is five points. If you make one mistake, you, you made a 95. That's a pretty good score. I'd take a 95. Not, nobody's perfect. We're not going to make zero mistakes. We are born with sin. A 95 is good. What if you made 10? Now you made a 50. That's a failing, that's a failing grade in every school, actually. A 50 is not a good score. You just failed. So why wouldn't you rather make one mistake than make 10? Don't let your mistakes multiply. Their poison was consumed. They got all the way to the end, and they did let their mistakes multiply. But I want to tell you something. Maybe it feels like your mistakes got too big and you're covered in sin and you're covered in all these problems and you need a way out. There was a perfect one who came. It says in, uh, in Romans 5.17, I'm going to turn there right now. I marked it in here. I think this is Romans. Romans 5.17, for by one man's offense, death reigned by one. Much more which receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Amen. There was a perfect one who came. There was one who made a mistake and let it multiply, and there was one who didn't. There was one who made a mistake and let it get out of hand, and there was one who didn't. There was one who sinned. There was one who didn't. There was one, there was one who died for me, and there was one who died for himself. Don't you want to be with the one that died for you? Why wouldn't you want to be with the one that can help you with your mistakes, that can stop it at the first one, And if it gets out of hand, you can come to him at the second one, and he'll help you there. Uh, In uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 57, it says, But thanks be to God, which giveth us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have a victory through our mistakes. You don't have to make those mistakes. Jesus can help you. If you're sitting in here today and God's asked you if you want to be saved, and you said no, you already made a mistake, don't let it multiply. Don't let it multiply. If he's asking you again, there's a reason he's asking you a second time. Just come to Jesus.